What's going on, everybody? This is Pastor Josh, and you are listening to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Episode 16 of the Preach That Podcast. I'm so glad you guys decided to join me, whether on audio, video, uh, YouTube, if you're seeing clips on Instagram that led you here, whatever it is. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Now, I'm, some quick housekeeping. First off, this is going to be a shorter intro. Um, my plans got completely changed on as far as recording episodes, producing all these, getting them ready to go uh, for we- each week. Uh, if you watched the last episode, episode 15, um, I led you to believe my wife would be on this episode. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, it didn't really work out last weekend, got super busy, super fast. Um, things just, uh, everything kind of caught up to us at once. We didn't have a chance to get here. We were going to come throughout the week and one of our kids got sick and it was just a whole big thing anyways, but she is willing to get on the podcast. She is going to be coming on the podcast very soon, um, which I'm excited about. I've got a kind of a list of some topics that I want to talk to her about. Um, it's some things you would expect a husband and wife to talk about, maybe a few that you wouldn't, uh, either way, I think it's going to be a great episode whenever I am able to get her on. Also, uh, the Andrew Columbia episode will be coming soon in the next couple of weeks. I got to reach out to him and schedule the exact day. Um, I'm finally getting my work schedule, uh, iron back out back to normal where Fridays will be my free days. Um, it is Friday right now when I record this, but I'm leaving in, 32 minutes, (laughs) 32 minutes. Uh, My wife and I are leaving to go away for the weekend. So I'm banging this out real quick as one reason that it's a shorter intro. Um, But anyway, so she will be on soon. Andrew Columbia will be on soon. Brand will be on soon. We're going to zoom. We've got to figure out exactly kind of pin down the exact topic, kind of the niche area that we want to discuss whenever uh, he and I get on here. So Brandon, I love you. I'm looking forward to that, man. Um, for those of you that are listening, if you're new, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening new, listening on Apple or Spotify for the audio version of the podcast, make sure you guys click the follow button, download the episodes, everything you're supposed to do, everything that I'm supposed to ask you to do. Um, anyways, this week's episode of the Preach That Podcast, episode 16, is a message that I just preached this past Sunday. Um, I was originally not supposed to preach until this coming Sunday, but then whenever we made some plans to go away, uh, which got altered a little bit, we're still going to have a good weekend. Uh, we So we flip-flopped. I flip-flopped with my dad weeks. So he's preaching this week. I preached last week. And it was kind of a continuation, a part two of the Be Prepared message, which I think was episode 14 of the Preach That Podcast. I shared that message uh, during that time. So this is a continuation, a part two of Be Prepared. It's called Stay Prepared. Um, it's in this season right now, God has just really got me in a place of self-preparation, uh, self-evaluation, but really also for my church, for my close friends, people that follow me online, anybody. I believe it's for the church as a whole, but I can't obviously get my message out to the entire church all at once. Um, I'm only one person. I'm doing my best. I'm getting stuff out there online. I'm doing what I can. But um, it's. I really feel like God is just pushing on the church, uh, just calling us to press into Him more, to be prepared for what's coming. There's going to be more coming. There's going to be more revival like we're seeing at the Asbury College uh, now, my father just told me that I think, believe sometime this week, uh, revivals started to break out at Valley Forge. Uh, it used to be Valley Forge Christian University, and I think it's just Valley Forge or the University of Valley Forge. Either way, it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, my good buddy Alex went there, graduated from there. Uh, my father-in-law graduated from there. My uh, wife's uncle graduated from there, um, I believe. He at least went there. I think he, yeah. Anyways. 
back to topic. <laughs> I believe God is getting us prepared for the outpouring of the Spirit that's about to take place, but we don't we don't get the Holy Spirit without evil spirits trying to attack. Okay, we don't get one without the other. There, there, when we get the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit pours out, when we're filled with Him, when we follow Him, we are going to be attacked. It's just a given. It's just part of life. You don't get the Holy Spirit without evil spirits following right behind it. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready to deal with these spirits. We've got to be ready to to operate in the supernatural, to be following God, walking closely, following Him so that we are prepared for what is to come next. Okay, it's super important that we be prepared and we stay prepared for what's next. And that's kind of what this message um, really is about. The first one, be prepared, get ready. And then this kind of is a stay ready. What do we do? To, how do we stay ready? What's some things, uh, what are some things that we can look at, some tools that we can use, some tricks that we can kind of uh, use to our advantage to stay ready, to stay in the zone, if you will. Um, I'm a sports guy, so I'm always in the zone. I'm using sports analogies or whatever, but I just really feel uh, that in this time, this day and age in church history, uh, it's just so important that we get prepared and stay prepared because it's coming. Revival's coming and attack is coming. Okay, outpouring is coming and the enemy is coming. Okay, uh, it's it's real and it's coming. Uh, it's we're seeing little bits of it. We're getting little tastes of it here and there uh, right now, but it's it's going to continue to intensify both sides of it. The the uh, the Holy Spirit is going to continue to intensify, and the evil spirits are going to continue to intensify. It's just how it is. It's part of life. Uh, it's part of life as a follower of Christ. So we're only at about five or six minutes, um, but I'm just going to let the message speak for itself. Uh, I'm not going to over talk like I typically do. Uh, so this one will be a little bit of a shorter episode uh, due to the shorter intro, but I'm excited for you guys to hear this. I'm excited to hit, get your feedback. Make sure that you guys like, subscribe, uh, comment, uh, do all those things. If you want to support what's going on here in a different way, you can go to www.newimpactministries.org. Uh, New Impact Ministries is a ministry that my wife and I started a couple years ago. Uh, we really started it to launch uh, what we call Mimi's Mission. Uh, my wife's mom passed away a couple years ago, and her the grandkids called her Mimi, and so we really have a heart to help uh, children and families and moms and dads, uh, the elderly. She worked at a nursing home here for several years. Uh, she was super, super passionate about that. And so if you want to help support us that way, we don't get a, a salary. We don't get any of the money that comes in. If you decided to give financially, um, if you just want to watch and like and subscribe and promote uh, things on social media to help us out that way, that is incredible as well. Uh, we appreciate prayers uh, as well. Whatever way you want to support what God is doing here, that's a great way to do it. It doesn't help uh, the Preach That podcast financially to help that, but it does help other people it does help a ministry that my wife and I started that we are heavily involved in uh, to bless other people and get the love of God out there. So if you want to help us in that way, www.newimpactministries.org. There is financial giving there. Uh, you can send us a message. Tell us you're praying for. You can send us a message if you are in need or if you're in need of prayer, whatever it is. Uh, make sure that you guys reach out to us. Uh, like, subscribe here. Share this on social media, whether it's audio, whether it's video, whichever one you uh, prefer. Uh, some people like both. I myself am a video guy, so I like the video. Uh, well, however you 
consume the content of the Preach That Podcast, please consider sharing that on social media. That helps out tremendously. God is is pushing this. It's growing, and uh, each one of you have a big part of it, and each one of you can have an even bigger part of it if you guys will share this on social media as well. So with all that said, without further ado, episode 16 of the Preach That Podcast, stay prepared. God bless you guys, and I will see you next time. I, uh, the first thing that I, I made sure I put in my notes so I didn't forget was that I wanted to make sure everybody knew that Pastor Tim did not forget about Pastor Greg and the preaching rotation in February. Um, I'm difficult, and Allie and I are going to be gone next Sunday, and so I switched with him. So he was supposed to preach this week, but so don't, don't worry, Pastor Greg is still going to be preaching. So I didn't want anybody to be worried about that. But I want to start right here in Scripture here this morning. I want to start with Genesis chapter 5, and please uh, don't sigh out loud when I tell you that we're going to read the entire chapter of Genesis chapter 5. I promise there's a reason. Genesis 5, it says this. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God had created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness and his own image and named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived for a total of 930 years, and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. After he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived for 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. After he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived a total of 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalel. After he became the father of Mahalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived a total of 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he, after he became the father of Jared, Mahalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalel lived a total of 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and he was no more because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. After he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived a total of 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived a total of 777 years, and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word that is alive and active this morning. God, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would hollow me out and fill me with your spirit, Lord, that only the words from you would be heard here this morning, that you would be magnified, you would be praised, and that you would receive all of the glory. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I originally told Allie that I was going to go on for about 10 minutes with this, and she's like, are you sure you want to do that? 
she, uh, she questioned me a little bit, probably rightfully so. So I decided just to read 32 verses here this morning. But I want to go by a show of hands, and I want you to be honest because you're in God's house and you have to. Who here would agree with me that that was really boring? We have honest people in the Lord's house this morning. Amen. By another show of hands, who would put that in their top three to five favorite passages of Scripture in all of, all of the Bible? Okay, we're pretty much all on the same page here, I think. That one was a resounding zero. So a couple weeks ago, I preached a message that was called Be Prepared. And we, we went through a few different things. I'm going to touch briefly on a couple of those, but I want to go where God, I feel like, is leading us this week. As you can see by the, the slide here, it's, it's a little bit of a continuation part two, if you will. Um, I, I've done a few like series, but it never feels like a series because I don't preach back-to-back weeks, and so I don't ever prepare it as a series. But God knows what he's doing. He's going to continue to work through us. But I feel like, and I'm going to speak on behalf of myself for the most part, but I feel like here at Jonathan Creek recently, each week has just been kind of compounding and building on the one before, and, and we've been moving from glory to glory, as Scripture says, and we've been, been getting more and more of God, and, and at least for me, in the preparation portion of preaching has gotten, it's changed for me. It used to take, not that it was difficult or that I didn't enjoy it, but it would take five, six, seven hours to really go through and prepare a message, and I feel like here the last two or three messages, it's been like one to two hours. And it's just the Holy Spirit's downloading it. It's done. Usually I have a handful of notes in my phone. And I was showing Allie yesterday, I was just scrolling and scrolling on my phone because I just had so many notes and things that God's been speaking to me throughout the week or two in between messages. And, and it's just been the preparation portion has been even more enjoyable for me. I feel at least hopefully everybody agrees with me as well. The messages here that we've been hearing on a weekly basis have continued to just get better and better no matter who's standing up here with wearing a microphone on their head or holding one in their hand. The worship has been so good that Satan tried Tried to ruin it a couple weeks ago and tried to mess us all up, but we didn't let it happen. God is just building here, and we're getting a little bit of a taste of the revival that we see sweeping this nation. I mean, it's been all over social media, and now it's even into the mainstream media, what's going on down in Kentucky at the Asbury University with the revival that's been going on for 10 or 12 days. Pastor Tim was telling me that there were people from all over the country that were convening there in Minneapolis where he's at. Uh, and just people getting excited on fire for God. We see this move of the Holy Spirit. We see this excitement. I mean, the fact that mainstream media is reporting on a revival and using the word revival and using the word Jesus and all these things on, on national television means that God is doing something in this country. The name Jesus has been so far removed from anything related to national media or national headlines for such a long time that when we see these things happening, we know that God is moving. I feel like God is taking us to a new level on a regular basis here, and, and I am just beyond excited about that. It just gets me fired up, and I'm, I'm just excited for the revival that I'm seeing here in our community, in our church, and around the country, and I'm talking like real revival. I, I shared a, a really good friend of mine, uh, his brother had posted something on Facebook, and I shared it yesterday, the day before, and he was, uh, he's a minister in his church, and he was encouraging pastors, don't feel like because something crazy is going on in Kentucky that we have to try and force something and, and make something of ourselves and we have to be just like these other places that are having these revivals and if we're not having uh, 10 days or 12 days straight of worship then we're not doing it right. No. We're gonna let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's gonna do because he is moving in our midst whether it feels like it or not and that's really what the message Be Prepared was all about a couple weeks ago and that's where God is continuing to take us here this morning 
If we want to be part of what God is doing, we have to get prepared, we have to be prepared, and we have to stay prepared. We've got to be prepared like we talked about for the supernatural. There was a video that I saw that was down there at the revival of a woman that was, they were all worshiping and a demon just began to manifest and they came around her and they weren't sure exactly what was going on and, then you, and the, really faint in the audio you could just hear a woman start to saying, come out of her in Jesus' name and she started screaming and she was delivered from demonic possession right there in their midst. There's people that have no experience talking in front of a group of people, much like myself when I started preaching. And they're grabbing the microphone and they're, they're, just, they're just begging people to get right with God. People are coming forward and, and repenting of sins publicly in front of other people and, and asking for hands to be laid on them. People are getting healed. Miracles are happening. So we know that God is moving. And if we want to be a part of that, we've got to be prepared for it. We've got to be prepared for when that trumpet sounds. And we've got to be prepared to prepare others for when that trumpet sounds. It's not enough just that we prepare ourselves That's the first step in the process. We have to get right with God first. We have to accept that free gift of salvation first, and then we've got to preach it and share it with other people so they can too accept that gift. And that leads us to the third point that we talked about last week, that we've got to be prepared, as 1 Peter 3.15 tells us, to give an account for the hope that we have. No matter what we're going through, we have hope in Jesus. And we talked about that a lot a couple weeks ago. So I want to continue on kind of that same thought process, that same, uh, the same gist, if you will, but a little bit different perspective. I believe God wants to give, show us uh, the same, same topic from a different angle, a different perspective here this morning, a perspective that he's been showing me this week and a perspective that I feel that we need to understand if we want to stay prepared in the world that we find ourselves in. Things have been exciting here at Jonathan Creek the last several months maybe six months, maybe a year. I'm not sure. I, I can't go back and pinpoint like this was the Sunday that things started to change or this was the Sunday that, that the fire started to, to pour out even more from heaven. I can't tell you the exact day or time or week or month or year or whatever it was, but I know that something is happening here at Jonathan Creek building week by week. And it's not because it's Jonathan Creek. It's not because I'm up here or Pastor Tim's up here or Pastor Greg's up here. It's not because of any of that. It's because God is moving in the hearts of people that are willing to be used. He is moving in the midst of people that are being prepared. But what happens when it doesn't feel like it? What happens when it's not as exciting? What happens when the pastor takes the first five minutes to read all of Genesis chapter five? What happens if in a couple weeks from now I get up here and I start reading Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy? I might lose even more of you than I did reading Genesis chapter five. The stuff that's difficult to understand just in its basic form, let alone why God would include that in scripture. What happens in those times that we're doing our reading plan and we're just doing it to try to get through it? Man, this is hard. I can't pronounce these names. I don't understand what they're talking about. This this lingo's weird. Darn it, I got the King James Version on my phone. I can't understand thee, thou, there, this, thou. What happens in those moments when it doesn't feel as exciting, when it's not as special to us? I mean, the whole reason that we pray for revival is because something needs revived. If it was just just sunshine and rainbows all the time and then we were just always full of happiness and joy and excitement, we wouldn't need revival. It would just be here with us. We need revival when something has died. We need revival when something needs a heartbeat put back in it by the only one that can do it. What happens when the excitement wears off? 
I see a, a basic example I see it all the time is we're getting ready to go to the, to the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference, which I'm excited about. I love going to that every single year. I, I enjoy those types of things. Pastor Tim goes away regularly down to Branson uh, to those types of things. Uh, we see people go to these conferences and we get a group of people together and we spend eight hours together and, and three or four hours worshiping the Lord and learning scripture and studying things and learning new things and we're excited and we're pumped up and then we come to church the next day and we pass the microphone around and people give testimony about what they learned and what God did in their life and then next Saturday rolls around and they don't have the conference to go to and they don't have something to look forward to and they don't have somebody prophesying over their life or they don't have somebody telling them uh, what God's going to do or telling them the calling that's on their life and teaching them and building them up and the, the excitement starts to fade a little bit. And then Sunday rolls around, it's a little bit better. But then the second Saturday without that rolls around and we just kind of start to fizzle out again and get discouraged and get back into the monotony of our life. What happens in those moments? What happens on those Saturdays where there's no conference? What happens on those Thursday evenings when we're sitting at home by ourselves? Better yet, what happens if we have been walking with the Lord and that excitement hasn't ever come? What do we do when that excitement feels so far away that it's just a distant memory that's never going to come back again? What do we do in those moments when it doesn't feel, when it doesn't seem? I think one of my least favorite parts about being a pastor is that I have to preach the whole Bible. Which sounds weird as a, for a pastor to say, but I don't want to have to read and study and teach and preach Job 1 through 41 just to get to Job 42 where he gets all of his stuff back double portion. I just want to go to Job 42 and see the good part. I don't want to have to, to read and preach about the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament. I just want to get to Jesus in the New Testament. I don't want to talk about the 10 apostles that were martyred and, and died horrible deaths because, for the cause of Christ because they refused to renounce the name of Jesus. I just want to talk about when Peter was preaching with power and authority on the day of Pentecost or he just walked by people and they were healed because of the shadows that passed over them. Not everything in the Christian life is great. Not everything as a Christian is going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be fun. It's not everything's going to be exciting. But what do we do in those moments? What is it about those moments that can dictate our future? I hate driving through our communities and seeing old church buildings that are antique shops now where people are just living in them as houses. I hate looking around and seeing pastors leaving by the droves because they just don't want to do it anymore. They don't have the energy for it anymore. Or, God forbid, they were pushed out of their own church. They were slandered online or in town. What do we do in those moments? What is it about those moments that can be significant in our lives? It's not always going to be signs and wonders and miracles. I wish it would, but if miracles were always happening, they wouldn't be miracles anymore. There is something about these times when we don't feel it, when, we're not, when we don't want it. Let's just be honest, there's sometimes we just don't want it. I don't want to feel a move of the Holy Spirit because then that's going to require me to do something. Can we just be honest and say that's been us at one point in time? I don't want to get up and go to church today. I just want to stay in my house. But what do we do in those moments? There's something powerful that can take place in those moments. Are we still going to serve God even when we don't feel like it? 
Listen, there's nothing inherently bad or negative about feelings. God has created us to feel. There's nothing bad about our feelings unless it's our feelings that we're following. If it's our feelings that are dictating what we're doing and where we're going and what we're watching and what we're bringing in and where we're, who we're talking to, who we're spending time with. Listen, I really would just, I would love to spend time with nothing but people that make me feel great about myself. But sometimes I gotta spend some time with people that are willing to love me enough to call me out and say, hey, you need to do better here. So I can grow, so I can learn, so I can be a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better everything. What if Paul stopped pursuing Jesus when he wasn't feeling it? If Paul was only based on feelings, he would still have scales on his eyes the day he died. To have an encounter with the one true God and be blinded and be like, well, he's obviously not a good God, he just blinded me. Forget this, I'm not going to whatever town to see whatever guy and all this craziness. I'm, I'm blind, how am I supposed to get there? We might be lacking the vast majority of our New Testament if Paul walked based on feelings. The disciples, if they were just went based on feelings, we see what happened when Peter went based on his feelings. He denied Christ three times. He felt fear. He was worried about his own safety. He's like, I don't know that guy. But what do we do in these moments? We've got to be prepared and then we've got to stay prepared. The first step, like I said, is being prepared. The first step is accepting Christ as our Savior. If you've already done that, sometimes the first step is reaccepting that and getting back to God. Not that you're born again, again, as Pastor Tim says, but that you turn your life, that you repent and turn your focus back on Christ. That's the first step. We've got to be prepared, but then we have to stay prepared. But how do we do that? Last time we talked about how do we be prepared? What, what's the steps that we can take to be prepared? And we read a little bit of Deuteronomy chapter six. Look at me, Deuteronomy, Genesis five, look at this. Deuteronomy chapter six was a little more entertaining than Genesis five, I'll give it that. But we talked about that last time to be prepared. How do we stay prepared? And for that I wanna to go to Mark chapter six, verses 31 through 33. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not have, even have a chance to eat, he said to them, this is Jesus, said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. What did Jesus tell his disciples to do? He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That is one of the most important things we can do as followers of Christ, to stay prepared. When we put in the work to be prepared, how do we stay prepared? We go away with Christ by ourselves to a quiet place and find some rest. It doesn't all have to be pomp and circumstance and, and loud music and, and preachers yelling at you and getting all excited and stomping their feet. It doesn't all have to be uh, fun, exciting videos that we watch on social media and, and our friends tell us how much they love us. Sometimes the most important thing you can do is go by yourself and follow Christ into that quiet place and find rest. Scripture tells us, that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. There's a common theme here. 
follow Jesus. We're called followers for a reason. We don't, we don't just jump in the back of a pickup truck that Jesus is driving and let him do all the work. We follow Jesus. There's going to be times where he's going to get a little bit further ahead of us and we're going to feel farther away from him. Do we just pull over to the side of the road and be like, well, never mind. He's too far ahead. I'm not going to try and catch back up. Or do we follow Jesus? That is one of the biggest keys that we can do as followers of Christ. We've got to put in the work, not to get saved. We don't have to put in the work to earn or gain or achieve salvation. We've got to put in the work to stay close with Jesus and follow him. Yes, we are called to go preach the gospel to all nations, to baptize people. We're called to lead them into discipleship relationships with Christ. We're called to, to be his ambassadors. We're called more than conquerors. We're a royal priesthood. But Jesus himself said, follow me by yourselves. Find a quiet place and get rest. We've got to do that in these moments. That one of the best things you can do when you're not feeling it, when you don't want to feel it, when you're feeling discouraged or broken, is go away by yourself with Christ and find rest. It doesn't have to be this big, crazy, exciting public display. Sometimes the most powerful moments in my life are when it was just me and Jesus and his word on my couch at 11 o'clock at night. It's not exciting. Nobody's watching me. Nobody comes up to me and says, hey man, that was a great, that was a great reading job you did on the couch there. But it's in those moments that I grow closer to him, that I understand his word better, that the Holy Spirit speaks loudly. Why does Jesus want us to go to a quiet place? Because we hear much better when it's quiet. If it's loud, my ear, the way that my ears and brain work is whatever's loudest, I hear it. That's all I can hear. If the vacuum's going, I can't hear a word she says. If the kids are yelling, I can't hear a word that's on the radio. We need to go to a quiet place. Listen, sometimes that's my truck on the way to or from work. And sometimes my wife calls me to on the way to or from work, so my quiet place is somewhere else that day. Sometimes it's on my couch at 11 o'clock at night, and sometimes I'm holding the pan, catching my kid getting sick on the couch at 3 in the morning. It may not always be the same quiet place. We may not always lock ourselves in the same closet and pray and seek the Lord. We might always, always sit at the same desk at the same time on the same day of the week. But we've got to find that place with Christ where it's just him and us. We've all heard the phrase pouring out or being poured out or pouring into someone in the church. We've all heard it in some way or another. It's a very common thing that we've heard in the church. I'm pouring out to you right now, for example. I am pouring out what God has given me for the message this week. Allie was pouring out this morning when she was sitting up here singing, and Lindsay was pouring out when she was sitting up here singing. Whenever Allie started to speak, she was pouring out. We've all heard it and seen it done a million times. We've all done it. We've all poured out. We've all been poured into. But something I tell people regularly and what I want to tell you here this morning is that whatever is being poured into you is what you're going to be pouring out. You can't be pouring in the world and pour out Christ. Does a bad tree bear good fruit? Does a good tree bear bad fruit? We see it all throughout scripture. Whatever you're filling yourself with is what is going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What we pour in, we pour out. We've got to be careful what we're pouring in We've got to take time to go to that secret place with Christ and allow him to pour himself and his spirit into us so that is what flows out of us. 
Another common misconception about pouring out is that a lot of people believe that you have to empty yourself to pour into others. I'm here to tell you this morning that's one way to go about it. Sometimes that's the way that we must go about it. Some situations and people and circumstances take as much as we have out of us, and we've got to pour everything and empty ourselves. But I'm here to tell you this morning there's a second option. Because a lot, oftentimes we'll, we'll come back to the word and we'll pour it into ourselves and then, and then we'll walk over, sorry, Lathan, we'll walk over and we'll pour into someone over here and then, and then we'll come back over here and, and we'll, we'll read and we'll pour into ourselves and then we'll walk back over here all the way over and then pour completely out to this person and then we walk all the way back over here. But I'm here to tell you this morning when we get into the habit of finding that place with Christ on a daily basis when we allow him to pour his spirit into him as I'm walking to this person and God's just continually pouring into me. We read it last week in Deuteronomy 6 and we're writing these things on our heart and we're, we're wearing them on our hands and on our foreheads and we make the word of God evident in our lives. As I'm walking over to this person and God's continually pouring into me, it's just gonna overflow onto the people around me. I'm gonna pour into who knows how many people on my way to this one person. And as I'm walking back to fill myself up and I'm continually letting the word of God wash over me, I'm gonna fill back up and it's just gonna overflow on all of these people as I'm walking back over to this person that God's called me to minister to. Yes, Christ will leave the 99 to find the one, but guess what? He was ministering the whole way there and the whole way back. He was so full of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit was just pouring out on people. You wanna know why? Whenever Peter walked past those people and his shadow touched them and they were healed, because he was so full of the Holy Spirit. He was so full of Christ that it just overflowed on everyone around him. It's not easy, trust me. I'm not the best at it either. I fail more times than I'd like to admit. But when our heart is aligned with the heart of Christ and we're continually seeking him and asking him to pour into us. I've seen pastors use the example, they they get the clear tote and put a cup in there and have a pitcher of water and they start to pour into the cup and as it fills up and overflows and it starts to splash out around everything and you see through the, the clear tote and you see the water just begin to fill and splash and overflow everywhere. That's how we should be as followers of Christ. If we continually find that quiet place with God we go away with him and find rest. That is when we fill up. That's when we get poured into. We can pour out to other people and never lose a drop ourselves if we're focused on Christ. If we really want to be a light in the darkness, if we really want to be a city on a hill, if we really want to be salt in an unsalty world, in a bland and boring world, we've got to be full of Jesus. We can't, we can't pour out salt if we're pouring in vinegar. We've got to be full of Christ. And we don't, we don't have to empty ourselves to pour onto others. We'll be so full of Jesus that it's just gonna splash everywhere we go. It's gonna water the seeds that others have, have planted already. It's gonna plant the seeds that we're called to plant and we're gonna reap the harvest that we're meant to reap because we're walking with the Spirit. But we can't do it if we don't spend time with the Spirit. That's what we read about in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Is the word of God pouring out of us everywhere we go no matter what we're doing? Is the love of Christ pouring out of us everywhere we go no matter what we're doing? Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
Keep the word of God always on your lips. Speak the word wherever you go. Everywhere you go, meditate on it day and night. Constantly be filled up. Even when it's not fun. Even when it feels impossible. Even when God feels a million miles away and all you can feel is pain or or anger or greed or depression or anxiety. Whatever it is that you feel. Look past the feelings to your faith in Christ. Lean on him. I don't know how many sports, fan we have, sports fans we have here, but I want to use an example. You know why, and this is not my favorite football player, so don't come down on me. I know Brenda likes him, but whatever. <laughs> Do you know why Tom Brady won seven Super Bowls and went to three more? The guy played for like 22 years, almost half of his career in the NFL. He played on the biggest stage under the brightest lights. This past Super Bowl had like 115 million viewers. It was like quadruple the next highest ranked TV program, which was another football game that happened two weeks before it. The Super Bowl is the most watched event every single year. And he spent half of his career playing in that game. And 70% of the time he was successful. If anybody here has seen his NFL combine picture, it wasn't because he was a freak athlete. He wasn't a, a, a specimen as some DK Metcalf type NFL players. And I'm going into the, the sports world a little bit here, but stay, try to stay with me if you don't follow the sports a little bit. There was nothing special physically about Tom Brady. They, he, he didn't have much to offer. He didn't have the biggest arm. He wasn't ripped up. He didn't have the biggest muscles. You know why he went to 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them? Because he was the most prepared player in the entire NFL for 22 years. He didn't graduate at the top of his class at the University of Michigan. He wasn't the most intelligent. But when everyone else went home, he sat there in that building and studied film. When everybody else was ready to leave practice, he was begging his receivers to stay at 40-some, 45 years old. Hey, man, let's get a few more reps, and I want to try out these route concepts. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I, 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 just, I need a few more balls. I need to throw a few more. Now, does any of that matter in the grand scheme of things? No but the principle can apply to us as followers of Christ. Are we the most prepared followers of Christ in the game? We can be. If we write his word on our heart, if we study it, if it's continually on our lips, if we spend time in that secret place with him. There was nothing special about Tom Brady except for his work ethic, except for his discipline to what he cared about most. Are we as disciplined as we can possibly be for Jesus? Are we willing to put in the work when it's not fun, whenever everybody else leaves? Are we willing to sit there and stare at the TV with the remote in our hand and and run the same playback 50, 60, 70 times and study it and understand it? Are we willing to read the same scripture over and over again? Are we willing willing to read Genesis chapter five as many times as it takes to understand what God's trying to say to us? Are we willing to stay prepared? You want to know how to stay prepared? Follow Jesus to that secret place even when you're too tired, too discouraged, too upset, too hurt. Go to that secret place. Meditate on his word day and night. Listen. Give me a glass of water or tea or something. Yeah. 
This happened last week too. I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't hardly talk. Yeah. I feel like Pastor Tim up here with my tea. Listen, salvation is a free gift. If you've been coming to Jonathan Creek for two weeks, you know that. Or at least you've heard it. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. We can't achieve a certain level or status to earn the right and the privilege to accept it. It's a free gift to all of us. Salvation is free, but a relationship with Christ is going to cost us. It's going to cost us time. Time that we could spend watching that Super Bowl or watching Tom Brady play or watching our favorite athletes or sports team. It's going to cost us time. It's going to cost us energy. There's going to be times when God wakes us up in the middle of the night to give us a message for somebody else that day. He's going to keep us up and not allow us to sleep because he's trying to, to, to show us and have us search our heart and grow. He's trying to show us areas of our lives that we need to repent from and turn to grow closer to him. It's probably going to cost us money, and I'm not even talking about tithing. That was a message that I already preached a few months ago. I'm not going to get into that, but there's going to be times when God says, bless that person. Pay for that person's groceries. Fill that person's tank up with gas. It's going to cost us relationships. I have a fraction of the close friends in my life now than I did 10 years ago, 15 years ago, in high school and middle school and grade school. Because the closer I get to Christ, the less people I see. The closer we all get to Christ, the, 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 it's a narrow path for a reason. There ain't much room for people to be around us because not many people are going to choose that path because it's not easy, because it's going to cost us time and energy and money and, and relationships. It's going to cost us, sometimes it's going to cost us our job. I know plenty of people that have lost their job because they stood up for what was right or they stood up on biblical principles. There are followers of Christ in this world that it will cost them their life. They could easily, they could accept the gift of salvation and keep it a secret and hide away, but they're going to put in the work. We see people all around the world that are getting martyred like many of the apostles did for Christ because they are willing to pay the price for a relationship with Jesus because they know that through that relationship, other people will have a relationship with Christ. Other people will change their destiny from hell to eternity in paradise with Christ. That's what's at stake that's what it's going to cost us to be prepared and stay prepared. Scripture tells us to take up our cross daily. You remember, does anybody know what happened to Jesus whenever he took up his cross? He died. He suffered a gruesome death. And when Scripture tells us to pick up our cross daily, that's exactly what it's telling us to do. You die to yourself every single day. When Paul said that I am crucified with Christ, it is no longer I live, but him that lives it within me, Paul knew and he was teaching us that we die to ourselves, we die to our flesh, we die to this world every single day so that Christ may rise up in us. That's what it's going to cost us to have a relationship with Jesus. That's what it costs to be a follower of Christ. And regardless of all of that, I have good news. The treasures that we store up in heaven pay a heck of a lot better than our bosses do anyways. The blessings that we have coming for us on the other side, it outweighs everything that we walk through on this earth. No mind can conceive what God has prepared for us. 
Why do we hold on to what we see here so tightly? Why do we focus so much on our circumstances instead of our Savior? We trust Christ enough to save our soul from eternal damnation, but we don't trust him enough to walk with him on a daily basis. We trust him for heaven, but we can't trust him on earth. It frustrates myself to no end so many times whenever I see myself and I catch myself worrying or be stressing about something. I'm like, does this even matter? Is this going to matter in a week? Is this going to matter in 10 years? Maybe, but it won't matter in eternity. That's the perspective that God wants us to see. I want to end this morning by talking about the scriptures that we read at the beginning, if you guys want to come up. You guys thought I just read Genesis chapter 5 to try to bore you to make a point, huh? That was part of it. I've never intentionally been boring in my life. I've been unintentionally boring a lot, but I've never done it on purpose. Thank you, Brenda. But I want to I read these verses. I'm not going to read all of them again. Don't worry. There's something that I want to share that will demonstrate the importance and the power of pushing through and seeking God and going to that secret place even when we don't feel like it, even when it's boring or frustrating or annoying or all of the above. If you go back to Genesis chapter 5 and you read through those 32 verses again, we get the genealogy of Adam. And on the surface, that's really boring. It doesn't make much sense. Why in the world would God include that in Scripture? It doesn't seem that important. But if you study the genealogy of Adam, that changes just a little bit. Because if you start with Adam and list every person that was listening, listen, it gives a name and then it says had other sons and daughters and lived X number of years and died or Enoch was taken up. Everything in scripture is there for a reason. If you take that genealogy and you list out each name from Adam down to Noah in the order that they're in and then replace them with the, the Hebrew meaning of that name, it's a little bit different. It's a little less boring. If you were to do that, it would read like this. Man, Adam, appointed Seth, mortal, Enosh, sorrow, Kenan, blessed God, Mahalel, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's close enough, shall come down, Jared, teaching, Enoch, his death shall bring, Methuselah, the despairing, Lamech, comfort, Noah. Now, if you put that all together, it reads like this. Man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching, and his death shall bring the despairing comfort. When we just take that little bit of time to push through the boring and push through the monotonous and push through the parts that we don't understand or think that are meaning that are boring, we can find such meaning in Scripture. We can find comfort in Christ. Genesis chapter five was telling us God's plan from the beginning. It was telling us the plan of Jesus Christ from the very start. He wasn't plan B. He wasn't a a scapegoat for the mistakes that God made. He was the plan the whole time. And we understand that when we take the time to study scripture, when we take the time to press through the boring we take the time to press through the part that isn't fun, the part that's not exciting. Everybody's listening to Genesis chapter five in a new light now. 
But when I read it at the beginning and tried to sound as boring as I possibly could, it, it didn't mean anything. That's the importance of staying prepared. Look, I didn't figure this out, okay? I learned this from someone else. We can all learn things in scripture from other people, but not if we're not gonna take the time to read it and study it. We can learn the new depths. Listen, we're never gonna understand the full depth of Christ until we're with him in glory. But we can grow deeper and deeper and deeper with him on a daily basis if we'll just go to that secret place, go to that quiet place where there's no distractions, it's just you and Jesus. No matter if we want to or not, the Bible says that obedience is greater than sacrifice. In those moments when we are obedient to God and we spend that time with him, when we go to that secret place, he will pour out his spirit like never before. I, I heard it recently this week that, that the people in the, in the United States Treasury that, that focus on uh, counterfeiting, you would assume that they would spend their time studying counterfeiting and, and all the different methods of it and everything, all these different aspects of what makes a bill, all the new tricks that all these counterfeiters are using. That's not what they do. They go on a daily basis and they study the real deal. They study a $100 bill that's real. They study the 50, the 10, the 20. They study real currency. So that way the second they see something that's fake, they know it immediately. It's the revival that we're seeing sweep this nation right now. We know that it's real when we've spent time in Scripture. When what we see with our eyes reflects what we read in Scripture and what reflects what the Holy Spirit's speaking to us, we can know that it's real and authentic. We know that when we come to church and we, and we hear a message and it speaks to our spirit, we know that it's real. Pastor Tim said it two weeks ago, I'll say it again, I'm not smart enough to come up with any of this. There's a reason that I pray every single week that God would hollow me out and fill me with his spirit because if it was me in here, sorry. <laughs> if I ever show up and it's me, I apologize in advance and I repent from that right now because I'm gonna lead every single one of you guys astray. The reason that we keep coming back is because we know that the word of God is real. How do we know that? We read it ourselves. We study it ourselves. We go to that secret place and spend time with God. We spend time walking in the Holy Spirit. We spend time praying in the Spirit. We don't talk about praying in the Spirit because it makes us spiritual and it makes us look good and, and it makes us more powerful and this and that. We pray in the Spirit because that's what God tells us to do. That's where God leads us. That's where we fellowship with him and grow closer to him. Not so that we can feel better, so that we can be used better by him. Listen, I said it already, our feelings aren't bad unless they're leading us. Are we gonna follow our feelings or are we gonna follow Jesus? Are we gonna avoid the quiet place and the hard conversations? Are we gonna avoid walking into a church altogether because we don't feel it, because we felt angry, we felt something negative at a church one time? because somebody preached something that we disagreed with, because we have a family member that struggled with the sin that the pastor brought up that day and so it offended us and we, and we don't wanna go anymore because someone in the church hurt us or a person that we used to have a relationship with uh, did something wrong to us. We talked about that two weeks ago. Listen, Christians do bad things too. It's part of life. All Christians are hypocrites and you're even a bigger hypocrite if you get mad at another Christian for being a hypocrite. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus came in the first place. To save us from ourselves and raise us up to new life. 
it was good enough for me, it's good enough for you. If it's good enough for you, it's good enough for your family member, your son or your daughter, your brother or your sister. That's all I got in my notes, but I don't really want to leave yet. Because I know that the Spirit is here. I know that there's at least one person here that's arguing with themselves internally right now. Because they hear the word of the Lord, but they don't want it. They still just can't quite accept it. They still just can't quite get themselves and their pride out of the way. And I don't know who it is. But I'll stay up here after the, after the message. Uh, if Pastor Greg needs to come up or any of the elders that are here need to come up, we will. The altars are always open, especially at the end of service. Stop fighting it. Stop fighting with God. Jacob did it and we learned from it. We don't got to do it anymore. We can walk with him. Listen, this altar can be your quiet secret place. This altar can be where you go to get right with God, where you go to repent. We don't have to do it on our own because the Holy Spirit is calling us to do it right now. Whether it's in your seat, whether it's at the front, don't leave here today and continue arguing with yourself and fighting against the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? He ain't going anywhere. He's going to continue pushing and pushing. He will never force you into anything. But he will always beg you to come back. He will always beg you to come closer. He will always entice you to come closer to him. Because he loves you. Because God loves you. Every single one of us. He didn't send Jesus to die on the cross so that we could talk about it on Sunday mornings and then forget about it. He did it so that we can walk with him forever. Being prepared is important, but staying prepared is the key to walking in victory. Even when it doesn't feel like it. I pray this morning that any of us that are still fighting this is the one this is the one time in your life that giving up is acceptable. This is the one time in your life that giving up everything, giving up control and I've shared my testimony I'm not going to do it again, but giving up control, giving up your life to Christ is the best thing that you'll ever do. No matter how many times you've got to give him control, no matter how many times you take those reins back when you see what you've done, repent of it and give them right back. God loves you that much. He wants to get through the noise of the world. He wants to get through the, the movies and the music and the, the horror movies and he wants to get through the, the allure of the world. He wants to get through everything negative that entices you and he wants to get to your heart so he can minister to you more and so that you can minister to others. You don't have to have a, an insanely miraculous testimony. I shared my testimony many times. It's nothing that great but God is great. Because at the base of it all, everybody's testimony is, I was once dead in sin and now I'm alive in Christ. That's it. If you're dead in your sin today and you need Christ, I want you to come up. If you're stuck, if you're, if you're ready to give up the fight and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, I want you to come up. 
If you're sitting next to someone that you know is full of the Holy Spirit and you want them to pray with you, you stay right there and pray. But don't leave here today without going to that quiet place, without seeking the Lord, without going and making that relationship the priority again. Even if you don't feel like it. Sometimes the, the moments that we go against our feelings will lead to the best feelings on the other side because we put ourselves to the side and we put Jesus in the center. Father, I thank you so much for your word that's alive and active, Lord, for this house, Lord, this group of people. Lord, we know that each week you bring the exact people here that need to hear your message, Lord. I hope that they feel your love, that they feel your arms wrap around them right now, Lord, that they would just feel this fire burning, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they want to accept it or not, whether they want to keep trying to fight against you or not, Lord, make that fire burn brighter and hotter than it ever has, Lord. We continue to ask to pour out your spirit for revival to sweep this nation, Lord. That churches and universities and, 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 and mainstream media sites would continue to share the name of Jesus. That you would use us, your humble servants, to make your name known in this country and in this world. Lord, we know you will never leave us nor forsake us and we just ask that you would nudge us in those moments when we don't feel like it. Nudge us in those moments where it doesn't seem fun or exciting. Nudge us in those moments when what we need the most is you. Lord, be with each person that's here as we leave this place, Father. Minister to us even as we leave, Lord. Continue to speak to each one of us. Holy Spirit, fill us and continue to minister to our hearts and to our spirits as we go throughout our week. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.